Hey, hey, welcome to the Grace Course Podcast, and this will be our second part of the Spiral Dynamics series. This is a series that is available on thegracecourse.com, uh, as with everything else, completely for free. But I really feel this series is so important that I wanted to release the whole series um, over a period of a few months, uh, week by week. Um, so that people that don't really spend much time over there diving into a lot of the deeper teaching that I do can um, engage with some of this content because I really do think it has a profound potential to impact the way that we grow spiritually, the way we interact with other people on similar and different spiritual paths, and also helps us frame where people are in their Christian faith and also where Christianity is going as it continues to grow and develop and evolve. Um, and so I'm not going to go on for much longer. I'm just going to dive right in um, and let you enjoy the topic. And so this week we're looking at stage purple, which is the magical and tribal stage. I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's get stuck into the nitty gritty. We're gonna look at the first stage. Well, technically, we're gonna look at the second stage. Um, the first stage is um, stage beige, um, but because it really doesn't translate into um, a real world application uh, for what we're looking at here in this course, um, I'm just gonna give you a real brief overview of kind of what it is so you know what, what I'm talking about and how it fits and um, I'm not pulling the wool over your eye of some sort of um, incredible stage that uh, you, you might not know about. Um, basically beige corresponds to um, the very earliest moments of humanity. Uh, 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 so societally, it would be uh, pre-kind of consciousness, uh, pre-awakening, um, kind of uh, maybe pre-hominid stages if, if you um, are a, a bit of a, a understanding of different human stages or, or hominids. Um, it is in an individual, it is the baby. Uh, is the brand new born baby, the baby that doesn't know the difference between self and other, the baby that doesn't know um, anything, including self. The baby doesn't even have a consciousness awareness of itself at, at those very, very early ages. Um, it uh, is often called archaic or consciouslessness. Um, basically, it boils down to basic organism survival, okay? So it is, I am hungry, so I scream and I make a big fuss until my food uh, need is met. I have pooped myself, so I'm gonna scream until my diaper is changed. Um, and again, very early hominids, it was um, very individualistic. It was very, I must meet my base needs, my food, my shelter, keep warm. You know, whatever it is that you need to do or you will die. That is the stage that this is at. And so obviously, this is not the stage that most um, people on a spiritual journey are at. You know, this is not a desperation uh, stage. What it realistically would translate to in um, most modern day cases is, of course, babies is, is the most obvious uh um, example of this, but perhaps um, very, uh, very seriously, so very seriously uh, mentally ill um, people would, would maybe fall into some of the, this case where we, we can't discern um, maybe a level of consciousness. And so again, very seriously. So actually a lot of people that are mentally ill, of course, the vast majority um, are, are still beyond this stage. So this is why I'm saying it's, it's really very un, uh, unlikely to be relevant uh, in, in most cases. Um, and again, I would uh, possibly put in this category extremely um, ill 
uh, senile, uh, older people uh, may fall into this category. Again, the vast majority won't. And so again, the practical application of what this actually looks like in a modern society functioning, uh, maybe a spiritual group or a, a church or something like that, this just doesn't translate. Okay, so things like churches and spiritual groups come beyond this stage. And that's why we're not gonna spend much time here. I just wanted to give you a rough overview of what stage, <clears throat> what stage beige was this first stage. Okay, so it's it's not got really any interaction, no 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 discernible interaction, right? A baby is not talking with its mother. We we might um uh, we might read into that. We might go, oh, it's laughing at my joke or uh, you know whatever. But you know it, it's it's not capable of those elements at this very early stage. It's much later on for for. Um, a baby to be able to start doing these kind of things. So there's no, there's no interaction. Um, there's not a cognitive ability in, in a meaningful way. So it's not like processing things and thinking to the same degree that we would be doing. Um, it's largely just driven by its innate instincts to fulfill, fulfill the needs of survival. I must survive. I will just scream and do anything I need to, to survive. Um, and so that's this early first stage. So let's push that to the side, you, you now know what that is, and let's now look at stage purple, the second stage, which is our first stage we're gonna look at today. Now, stage purple is a really interesting stage. It's a very, very early stage. So this uh, stage in society, as it reflects, so as I said in the introduction, stages will be reflected in the growth of people as they evolve and as they develop over their lives, um, but it actually is reflected in society as well, as societies grow and develop, okay? And, and so it, as societies go, stage purple probably started to emerge about 50,000 years ago. Um, okay, if that's if you, uh, if you can uh, cope with uh, that kind of dating, okay? Um, but very, very early on, uh, early civilization um, became purple. And it, and it probably took, it was the primary stage for probably about 40,000 years, a very, very long time, okay? So, and what you'll find is as we develop, the stages last for less and less time before people move on. And so we're, we're growing and we're developing and we're evolving much quicker, which is a very interesting uh, tidbit. So currently in today's society, only about 10% fall into the category of tribal. Um, and again, what, what, we, what, what I'm meaning when I say tribal, or, or when I say the world, or, or I say this group is tribal, I don't mean that the, every person I'm mentioning in this group is 100% tribal, okay? So again, some people are you know, 50% their primary kind of staging, and they might be 25% the stage after, or 25% before, or even more, uh, uh, broken down, you know, it might be 10% back there and 20% over here and 40% there. It could be quite fragmented and that's very normal. Okay, so I'm not, um, I, as you're listening to this, I want you to be listening, are there parts of me that are purple? Even though you might be um, well uh, matured beyond purple, you might have grown and developed in lots of different ways. You might find that there's parts of you that are still purple, especially if you come from a background of faith, okay? Um, and so, just bear that in mind as we're talking about some of these earlier stages, you might think, oh, they're kind of, they're old fashioned or we don't do that anymore or that's a bit dated or whatever, or I'm beyond that or any of these kind of things, um, which is very natural for us to look down on stages that have come before and to despise stages that are ahead. But in every stage, look for yourself and look for the, the pushback you have in those stages because that will tell you a lot. So this first stage is called purple, that's, that's the color that we're giving it, but it's also um, well known in different um, models as fantasy, magic, or tribal consciousness, okay? 
And so there, there's a, a real um, fantasy, um, magical element to purple. There, there's um, a mystery behind the world, and most of the mystery is answered by uh, by magic, by gods, by demons, by spirits. You know that is a very um, base understanding of the world, and that's what we look at. If we go back to those kind of time periods between fifty to ten thousand. Um, years ago, we're looking at very early humans. We're looking at humans that did not understand much of anything. Okay, so the sun goes down and they start praying and worshiping and sacrificing to the sun god so that it comes back the next day. Okay, you know, they don't understand that the earth is spinning around the sun and actually it's naturally going to come back just because uh, of the nature of the way the earth spins. So they've created a god, they've created demons, they've created spirits that must be appeased and they and they appease those uh, spirits and those demons in very rudimentary senses. So the correlation here is is probably a very, very early child okay so a child that starts to understand um, that it is it's a self and it works with others um, so uh, early early toddler um, starts to interact with the parents and it realizes that actually screaming and screaming and screaming because it wants food it sometimes works yes but actually a much more effective method is to say mama i want food and often the mum will just go get your food, right? And, and so there's an, a, an interaction and, 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 and an expansion from a very egocentric to a we-centric, to a tribal-centric. So we become a part of a family unit. unit. And so this is the kind of the age consciousness. And, and again, very magical. So these, um, at this age, apparently, psychologists tell us that the child, even though it recognizes that the mother is different from itself, it still, on some level, thinks that it is his mother. And that actually it's controlling the mother, it's, it's, um, it's, it's getting what it wants by um, uh, an extension of itself. And so it's still very, um, very basic understanding, very, very simplistic understanding of the world. Okay, so at this stage, there are many, many threats for those that find themselves in purple. And we can talk about civilizations that find themselves in purple. We could talk about um, Amazon rainforest tribes or um, maybe some rural parts in, in Africa or in, in some of the islands, um, you know, off like Papua New Guinea and kind of things like that. Um, or maybe we, we have to go back quite a bit in time to see this, or maybe we see it in ourselves in more selective, nuanced ways, okay? But the threats are generally anything that is unknown. So things that we don't know, we will tend to spiritualize and mysticize and assume it's a, an evil spirit, a demon, uh, a devil. Um, we, we, we are scared of the gods at this stage. Um, because they are powerful and they make things happen. We don't understand how things happen, but the gods are doing it and it can be very, very scary what they do. We're scared of demons. We're scared of magic, but we also, uh, it's a fear fear of magic, but it's a magic that we that we rely on, that we use. You know, we, we look to people to manipulate magic and we try and do sacrifices and, and all sorts of things to appease the gods, to enable the magic, to enable the supernatural. And of course, we are very, very scared of other tribes. So that is um, a few of the threats that we're looking at at this stage. Now let me give you a few key values and traits. I'll be doing this at each stage. These are values and traits that kind of shape how someone at Purple thinks and operates. Now as I'm saying a lot of this stuff, you're gonna recognize, well, this is a really ancient way of doing things, these old tribes, you know, and, and but some of this stuff sounds like, you know, some people I know. It might even sound like me. <laughs> it might even sound like certainly me a few years ago, potentially. And so please understand that I'm not talking about an ancient way of doing things that is long in the past because we still have um, elements of this in our psyche and um, 
some of it is good. Um, you know, a lot of what we learn at this stage is a healthy, good thing. So as the, the baby grows into a toddler and learns to communicate with its parents, it learns to be an operate as part of the family. That's a really, really healthy and good thing. It's a good development. You want to transcend, but include that. Um, and so as we're looking back at this, we're not just looking at the bad elements, we're looking at the good elements. We're, we're looking at what we transcend and leave, and we're looking at what we transcend and include, okay? And so you might find, actually, as we go through these stages, you're gonna find in certain stages, there are things that you've shunned that need to be brought with you. You need to go back and, and reintegrate some of those elements, some of those truths, some of those realities, so that you can grow and develop and continue on in your journey. Okay, so key elements, key um, values and traits at this stage. Uh, tribal, I've said it a few times already, loves magic. It loves superstition. It is very superstitious, okay? Tribal is the, the kid that jumps between the paving stones trying not to hit on the crack because it, it has made some trade. If I stand on the crack, my, um, my mom won't get me ice cream later. If I stand on the crack, uh, I'll... Uh, not get supper. I'll, I don't know what <laughs> what a toddler uh, bargains with the superpowers that be that are watching where you step are. But you know we all remember playing games like that as a kid. Sometimes a lot older as well. But but creating these superstitious levels. It might look like um, today people not walking under a ladder, and that comes from superstitious tribal purple thinking. You know the, the ladder created a triangle, and to go through a triangle was um, very bad luck. Um, or maybe you. Uh, you you know, you're not superstitious, but oh, you won't stroke that cat that's under a ladder on Friday the 13th um, after you broke a mirror or, you know, it's still some things that we, we still um, can look at a bit superstitiously, even in this culture, okay? So again, it's not just this, oh, 50,000 years ago, oh, 10,000 years ago. This is stuff that still kind of um, lingers. It's, um, it's, massively into its supernatural leaders. So in the tribal uh, time, we look to supernatural leaders. So again, as a toddler, you look to your parents and they are masters of the universe. They are the, the gods of the world. You know, they, they make food appear. They, they can take you anywhere in the car. They can take you to the shop and you can buy anything you want. You know, they, they are masters. They know the answers to everything. They can make anything happen. You know, there's this revering of like, my dad is bigger than all the dads. You know, there's this, um, I have a supernatural leader. And because we don't know, because we're a mystery, anyone that does know becomes revered. And this actually can be massively abused. And we'll see as we go through the stages, how later stages abuse the tribal stage and will become leaders, these supernatural leaders, they will become that through uh, knowledge, violence, power, all sorts of different things can be used and abused and, and tribal will follow because tribal um, is a following group. They are a group that, that desires the best for their whole and they will generally speaking submit to power, they will submit to aggression, they will submit to people that know because they are supernatural or they're powerful. Um, and so it's really easy for them to be abused, but actually there's some really beautiful stuff in that. That's stuff that we need to transcend and include. We need to be able to function as groups well. We need to think of the whole, not just ourselves. You know, there's some really beautiful things there. At times we need to submit to other people. You know, it's, it's a healthy thing to submit to people in, in different dynamics, right? If someone at work knows more than you, even though you're paid more, it's a healthy thing to submit and go, oh, you know what? Yeah, please, you're more knowledgeable in this area. I defer to you. Those are interesting dynamics that are all 
somewhat in play already at tribal uh, level if we choose to include them as we transcend. And so there's not just bad elements. So the, at tribal level, they're very loyal. You know, they're, they're very loyal people. They're loyal to one another. Of course, they're not uh, loyal beyond their group. They're very, very insular, but they're loyal to each other. And they're very stable because they submit to authority. They don't rise up against authority. They don't question authority. They just function as the group for the whole to maintain the status quo. They're all about maintaining status quo. They don't want to bring about change. They want things to stay the same. And that's actually very common for a lot of stages, um, as we'll see. But this is, um, this is all quite good stuff as well. You know, loyalty and stability. Those, those are great, um, great uh, qualities to have as part of who we are. Now, of course, they can be taken to the extreme and be, and be negative, as, as they often are at this stage when they're taken to the, the most extreme level. You'll see that at most of these stages, it's when all their points are taken to the extreme that they start to hit the ceiling of where they can be. And that's when they break through and grow and develop into the next stage. But these are good traits on the whole. Now, a lot of people at this stage, um, in fact, the majority of people at this stage will not be able to um, really distinguish between concept and uh, image. And so that you, you, can, um, you can look at a tree and know that it's a physical tree. Um, but at this stage, people look at a tree and they see the, the, the tree god, the tree demon, the whatever it is. You know, we look at a statue and that statue is a demon. Um, we look at a, uh, an animal and, and those animals are spirits that, um, that control the, the earth, you know. And, and we see that in very tribal cultures. But we also see that at early tribal stages of humanity. You think of things like the Canaanites and the Israelites. They were very like this maybe before they went into Egypt, um, before they kind of transitioned on. They were a tribal group. They were small groups. They were very, um, uh, they, they followed a, a, a God-given supernatural leader. Um, and they definitely saw a lot of uh, spiritual elements behind everything, right? A, a statue would have been seen as a spirit. You know, they, they very much were um, those kind of people. They, they, they really misinterpreted symbols and uh, images and concepts. And so that's something to look out for and maybe something that some people still do today to some degree. Um, we've got a saying of seeing a demon in every uh, uh, bush. That's, that's a very tribal kind of um, concept. Everything is mysterious to a tribal person. Um, they, they don't understand much of anything because there's no value for rationally figuring things out. That's not important to someone at this stage. What's important is appeasing those that do understand, the gods, the, the, the leaders, whoever that is. Just make sure that they're pleased and just stay status quo. Um, there's a complete lack of, of science and rationality at this stage. It's not, it's not existed yet for them. Um, and so it's not valued, it's not interesting, it's, it's not helpful for them. Um, and there might be even a deep distrust of science and rationality. Um, but people that have science and rationality and know how to interact with tribal and are ma uh, manipulative will very easily um, overpower tribal, will we'll become leaders, will become gods to them. And we've seen this again and again in history, haven't we, where more advanced civilizations have come into certain places. You think of um, uh, Europe going into uh, North America. You think of uh, Britain colonizing or most of Europe colonizing most of the world and taking advantage of um, what they would have seen as inferior civilizations. But really, they were probably just earlier civilizations at um, tribal and, and they were coming in as later civilizations 
uh, at Red, the next civilization uh, warrior. They, they came in and dominated and took advantage of tribal. But even later stages, scientific, rational stages, can still take advantage. And you can see that um, today even, um, you know, in Brazil, um, advanced, rational, scientific, capitalistic society. It's very modern, um, taking advantage of the tribal um, uh, indigenous people in the rainforests and burning down their rainforests or taking them over to raise cattle to sell or to grow soy crops. So there's, there's all kinds of elements where um, these things can be um, abused at any level. And, uh, but, but purple is very susceptible to this because it is constantly in mystery. Okay, so let's look at a few examples of, of what I mean by purple in maybe more modern contexts, okay? So um, a purple, uh, a whole bunch of purple examples. Now, please don't get offended if I name you or your group, okay? Now, because what I mean when I say that a, a particular group is I mean they have purple traits. I do not mean that they are entirely purple. In fact, some of these, I'll probably stop and pause, are only very, very partially purple. They're probably other things. So you'll hear in my examples, often I name an example in two or three stages because it's spread across a few stages. And so this is gonna be the earliest, um, most least developed elements of your religion or your faith or your um, views if, if, you, if I do name something that strikes a chord with you. Again, being at purple is okay. So there's no right or wrong stage. There is no bad stage and good stage. There is only the stage you currently are that you need to continue to grow in and ultimately through, okay? So you don't, you know, laugh and mock a toddler because they haven't learned to walk. They need to learn to crawl. They need to learn to walk eventually. But after they learn to walk, they can start to run. You know, you're, you're, you expect them to go through these stages and it's not bad or wrong that they've not gone through stages. They, they have to go through it at the, at the pace they need to go through, okay? Um, maybe you could argue at 40 or something if they're still crawling, something has gone amiss, okay? Um, but here we go, some, some examples. Uh, a good example is snake handlers, okay? So think of uh, the face where they handle snakes and, and they, they have um, over-spiritualized this concept and they think, well, God is obviously pleased with me if I handle this snake. They've, they've um, taken one passage out of the Bible, they've made it a deeply profound truth that they're supposed to be functioning in. Um, very purple mentality. The Amish can be very, very purple. Uh, Mormons, Islam, uh, the Israelites and Canaanites, like I said, early uh, Israelite and Canaanite were very tribal in their, in their approach. Uh, fundamental Christians can be extremely purple. Um, charismatic and Pentecostal Christians, I'd lump into this because of their tendencies for um, supernatural, for seeing demons in everything, um, for overly spiritualizing things that may not necessarily be as spiritual as they think. Um, even though everything is spiritual, is, is probably quite a late view, everything is spiritual also exists at this very early stage. So what we'll see is we're going to see a curve. We're going to see things going from everything is spiritual. It's going to be a drop off and it's going to rapidly drop. And then we're going to see a pick back up as we go through the stages. But at this early stage, everything is spiritual is from a place of ignorance. Um, and then as we grow in our rationality, as we grow in our understanding and develop, that drops as we realize a lot of things aren't. Uh, spiritual in, in, in that sense, in a magical, in a, in a mysterious sense. But actually it starts to pick up again as well as we start to realize, well, actually there's a lot that we don't know. There are mysterious elements. There is a bit of mystical truth to some things. And so it starts to build back up and we start to realize actually there's a spiritual dynamic to everything. So everything spiritual can be used at both ends of the spectrum. Um, so, uh, but I would say that 
often charismatic Pentecostal Christianity is often operating at the early stage of this, not the late stage, okay? Now, there's often a bit of both. I'm not saying there isn't, but generally speaking, it can quite often be operating at this early stage. And so it's, it's important to, to think about that. If you if you're fall into that category, if you're charismatic Pentecostal, be thinking, is some of my spirituality very um, uh, primitive developed spirituality and can I evolve that and can I grow that to become more developed? I'm not saying lose your charismatic or Pentecostal beliefs. I'm saying, can they grow and develop? Can I get a more authentic spirituality out of this? Baptists can be very tribal um, or conservative Christians as a whole, okay? So I say conservative to mean um, fairly fundamental, fairly rigid, very tribal, you know, we are saved, no one else's kind of idea. Um, maybe like uh, the most extreme example of this would maybe be Westboro Baptist Church, okay? So really very tribal. They might be even leaning towards uh, the next stage, which would be warrior even, um, but very, very tribal mentality. Everything is spiritual. There's demons everywhere. Everything that happens is probably demons doing stuff and, um, and God's out there and he's fighting with demons and who knows how this will pan out. It's all very mysterious. There's a big mistrust, uh, mistrust of uh, science and rationality. Um, superheroes. Very, very purple thinking. Uh, astrology, very purple thinking. Open up your newspaper and seeing, oh, you know, what do the stars tell me today? Very purple, very tribal. Um, all magic, right? Um, superstitions, so superstitious believing we mentioned. Religious hate groups can be um, very tribal, very purple. You know, they, they, they can't uh, engage with the rationality that other races are basically the same as them uh, as far as a, a human uh, concept goes. You know, that this idea of a superior human, an Aryan race or whatever, that, that, that a white-skinned person is not uh, genetically better than a, a dark-skinned person. But, um, but that is very purple. They, they don't understand that. You know, if, if you go into um, certain places, say in Africa, where they haven't seen a white person, I mean, it's probably very rare these days, but it still is quite a shock in certain cultures. And they, they want to play with your hair, they touch your face, and because you're, you're, it's a shock to see something so different. Um, and so again, that's kind of, that's, that's, a, that's a maybe not a, a negative uh, view of that, but it's, it's just a picture of this concept of, wow, this is a different race. I don't know what to do with this. It's unknown, it's uncertain. Um, and generally speaking, in the tribal stage, when it's unknown, it's uncertain, it's different, our instinct is to push it away. Our instinct is to reject it. And this is where ultimately these religious hate groups and things like that come from, uh, racist hate groups. You know, it's, it's you're different, you're dangerous to my tribe, to my way of doing things, I'm going to push you away. Very strong nationalism can be very purple at times. Now, a lot of these things I'm saying, you're going to find that these can overflow into red, into blue. Some of the later stages can still be very nationalistic. They can still be very religious and hate-filled. They can be very uh, racist, you know? So this is not just purple. So, you know, if you're a religious, um, hate-filled uh, nationalist, you might be later stage, that's okay. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm kind of joking, okay? But um, but my point being that these aren't just um, early stages. It, it takes quite a few stages for certain things to work out. And so they just take slightly different nuances and, and forms. Now, I'm not going to go into all the depths of everything I've said here. This isn't a course to talk about politics or or um, racism or things like that. I, I'm trying to focus on Christianity and, and, and spirituality. And so I'm kind of glossing over this. I'm just giving you a few examples so you can get a few ideas of how these still linger in today's culture. How does purple still kind of exist in this kind of culture? Clan warfare may be a bit older, but you see very um, tribal uh, 
understanding my clan is safe, your clan is dangerous, we need to kill off your clan if you're getting too close to us, if you're a bit of a danger to us. Um, religious sacrifices are hugely purple, okay? Hugely, hugely purple. We need to kill the virgin to please the gods because we've made up some bizarre scenario that says, well, gods are more pleased with virgins being killed than grain being burned or cows being killed or either, any of those are very purple, right? So we, we create all these systems and rules to explain the mysterious. Um, voodoo, rain dances, these kind of things, all very purple. So I hope you can see that these can exist in very ancient societies, very, um, very limited in today's culture. That's why I say on the whole, people that are fully purple is probably about 10% of the planet. And most of the, that is probably, if you're watching this from the comfort of your home office in, uh, in the West, um, most people are, are on this website, um, you probably are not going to bump into people that are purple, not through and through. You might come across people that are partially purple here and there. You might yourself even be partially purple, but someone that is fully purple. So when I say um, someone is purple, someone is red, someone is blue, I mean that the, the majority of their makeup, maybe over 50% is gonna be this uh, color. And so people that are over 50% purple, very, very, very small amount on, on the planet, 10%, you know, very, very um, minimal. Um, so let's look at how this actually affects our Christianity. And so this is going to be the core of this, um, this whole video, really. This is the stuff that you came for, because now you're going to see, oh, wow, this has an impact. This has a really big impact on how we do our faith. Okay. So even though in the culture that Christianity emerges, the culture was largely uh, later, it was actually more red, even maybe in some ways blue. Um, so the, 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 this, the next stage and the stage after. But there was still plenty of purple mentality in the way we do things. And we have still interpreted Christianity in a very purple mindset, especially if it was exported into a very purple world. And also what we'll find, and this is fascinating, is that society is usually ahead of any religion and as far as their psychological development. So how you think about society, how you think about religion, how you think about relationships is usually gonna be at later stages than how you think about your faith, generally. Now that's not always the case. Of course, people are different and unique, but on the whole, and the reason for this is generally speaking, religion needs to adhere to a certain way. It likes to stay static, it likes to stay the same. And so while society moves on and advances and grows, religion often is pulling back and, and trying to maintain and keep its position. Um, and so we see that even though society was a bit later on, many of the religions, so we look at maybe um, Greco-Roman culture, a lot of Greco-Roman culture was later than purple in how they, uh, in how they operated their uh, government, say, or maybe how they built businesses. However, it was very tribal in how they worshiped their gods. It was very tribal in that sense. And so there was um, there's, there's a spectrum, there's a breakout and a beautiful, complex, multicolored tapestry to how we're built up and even how societies are built up. And so this is how Christianity, even though it emerges in later stages, um, still has a lot of these backward trends. So each time we're gonna go through the stages, we're gonna look at a few different points. We're gonna look at the Bible, we're gonna look at God, we're gonna look at Jesus, we're gonna look at prayer and worship, we're gonna look at sin and salvation, we're gonna look at the mystical, we're gonna look at heaven and hell, and we're gonna look at the kingdom of heaven. And so we're gonna look at how in each of those categories, 
um, our different psychological development and, and where we are as a society, where we are as in our churches, in our faith groups, in our families, how that impacts how we uh, approach these topics. And so let's start with the Bible, okay? So how does a tribal person view the Bible? Well, first of all, it is seen as God's word. It is given from God. Often the concept is pretty much um, exactly as though he dictated it. You know, it's just, it is written. Every word on that page is given by God exactly as he wanted to say it. And it is without a, a doubt, unquestionable, accurate, true. It is deeply sacred. It is a sacred text. Um, it has no errors. Um, it forces Christians to band together around their interpretations as the idea that different uh, interpretations exist, um, they challenge the Bible's perfection. So what it does is as people at this stage cannot coexist with other Christians that have different views on the Bible, they, they just can't cope with that because if you have a different view on the Bible, well, my interpretation of the view, well, who's right? Because the Bible is only it's the word of God. It can only be interpreted one way. It means one thing. So because we now have two uh, different translations, one of us is wrong. It makes me feel uneasy. It adds mystery to the whole system. It, it, it makes me scared. And so what we do is we reject those tribes. We push them away. And we see this a lot in a lot of denominations, don't we? Where um, certain groups are very capable of working with people with different views of the Bible. Other groups are terrified of it and really uh, push it away, demonize it. I mentioned some of those earlier, you know, the the fundamental Christians, very conservative Christians, um, Amish or Mormons, you know, they, they, uh, Jehovah's Witness would be a good example. Of course, um, some of these would be more seen as cults, but um, th these groups don't know how to operate with other people that believe similar uh, things, but different from the same text, terrifying to um, a tribal Christian. Okay, they uh, will swear on the Bible. That's, that's, that's a very purple thing. It's I put my hand on this sacred text that somehow is magical. And because I've sworn on this Bible, terrible things will happen to me if, if I lie. Um, now you and I as rational people, uh, hopefully, maybe not, I don't know. Um, but you and I maybe uh, can see that's probably very unlikely. Okay, so the fact I put my hand on a Bible um, and said, oh, you know, I, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, not but the truth, so help me God. If I say something that's wrong, I'm not gonna get in a car accident the next day. Now, if you think, well, you might, maybe that's how it works, you probably have a little bit of purple in you, and that's okay, that's fine. Um, but recognize that this is purple thinking. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's attributing spiritual dynamics to mystery, to things we don't understand. It's creating things as being more spiritual or supernatural than they are. You know, so this book that got run off in a factory in, alongside hundreds of thousands of other books that, yes, the text within it, uh, we've got lots of great things to say about the Bible as we go. And I even think the Bible at this stage is wonderful and amazing. But it's, it's, it's just a book that's been ra like ran through a machine. You know, the guy there probably isn't even a Christian hitting the go button, you know? And, and so, but we, we overly spiritualize this thing. Um, so people at this stage, they won't, um, they won't put the Bible on the floor, you know? Uh, that's a deeply dishonorable thing. Um, I remember as a, as a teenager one time when I first um, kind of started going to church and understanding a bit more of the culture, a friend of mine says, oh, could you throw me over a Bible from a big pile of um, spare Bibles in the, in the Bible study hall? And, um, and, I, and I literally threw over a Bible. Now he was meaning in the, uh, in the context when we'd say in Scotland, throw me a whatever, we just mean pass me something. Uh, but I literally threw it across the room and there was audible gasps all around me. People going, ah! and they were freaking out because I had thrown a Bible across the room. Now, I since learned that in that culture, in that group, 
the Bible was deeply revered. I, I might as well have thrown Jesus across the room. You know, it was, it was a very, very um, awful thing. And I got yelled at something rotten by uh, one of the leaders for that, uh, which taught me a great truth. Don't uh, annoy a purple person by throwing their Bible. Um, so there's a very deep awe and, and reverence and respect for the Bible. Um, it uh, often can even have processions. So you think of like certain high churches that have processions where the Bible is brought in and there's swinging incense and things like that. It's very revered and honored. Um, can, it can act magically. So it can fall open and it's the perfect verse. Um, now, again, I'm not saying that these things don't happen. I'm just saying that this is tribal thinking. Um, again, a lot of tribal thinking is true. And a lot of their spirituality, as they assume all things are spiritual, some of it is. Um, but they're assuming it's always spiritual. So this is the person that always thinks when I open the Bible, God will say whatever he needs to say to this situation because I've opened the Bible and it's, and it's got this magical ability, okay? Um, they'll repeat Bible verses over and over and over again. It's incantations, you know, again, as though they have some sort of magical power, they'll just keep speaking that Bible verse. Now, again, we'll learn as time goes on, well, there's, there's truth to affirmations and speaking truth over yourself. And so, again, lots of stuff that we can take as we transcend and include, but a lot of stuff that we can um, look upon in, with a bit more um, of a, uh, a, a holistic view and, and, and maybe a bit more uh, development behind it and go, oh, actually, there's probably some of this stuff that's just not very uh, true, not very helpful for me, okay? Um, now, how do we see God at this level? At tribal level, purple, God is very distant. He is up in the heavens. He's off there because it's mysterious. He's not with us. He's not here. He's somewhere else. He is supernatural. He's powerful. He's a, he's a superhero. You know, God is this amazing, awe-inspiring um, being that is responsible for everything. He pulls all the puppet strings, you know. So the concept of God being in charge of everything and making everything happen, everything happening, very, very purple in a sense, okay? Um, now you'll see that at later stages, of course, um, but it's, it, it's, it begins and it originates at this stage, this, this concept that God is pulling the strings for everything. God is extremely feared at this stage. So people that are obsessed with the fear of the Lord, very purple, maybe slightly red as well, but very purple, okay? They are terrified of this God who is unknown, that might do anything at any point. He should be ter you should be scared of this God who could at any point kill you. Um, now, as we grow and develop and as, as we move along the spiral, um, what people tend to see is, well, actually, God, it, yes, in a sense, if he was so arbitrary and mystical, he would be to be feared. But he isn't. He's revealed himself and he's, and he's revealed himself as good and loving. And so he says, do not fear me. Um, and so there's this progression. And, and But purple is fixated still at this early stage. is very scared of God. God is to be pleased at all costs. Under no circumstances are we to annoy God. If we annoy God, it is bad, bad news, okay? Supernaturally, God doles out miracles and punishments. Miracles to good people, punishments to bad. That's how God operates. He's very fixated on people's actions. And if you do something wrong, you should be terrified. If you do something good, you will be blessed. And again, we see this very early text throughout the, the scriptures. We see um, people's concept of God being very much like that. It's a very purple way of seeing God. God is almost always masculine at this stage. Um, so certainly in, in Christian concepts, always masculine. There's no room for a femininity to God. There is only a masculinity to God. And, and we see in most tribal cultures, um, generally speaking, whichever, um, whichever gender is in power, uh, in the natural is the gender of the deity and, and generally speaking across most cultures across most times that is male. Um, 
the, the, the church that follows this God is deeply rooted in fear. Uh, as I said, they're, they're very scared. They're, it, it's, it's a terrifying existence. I actually grew up quite purple in, in some ways, and it's a scary existence being in this form of Christianity, uh, this, this form of, if I sin, God will remove his protection. Um, you know, he, I remember as a teenager, you know, when I'd uh, masturbate or something and I'd, I'd literally be terrified to go outside in case I got hit by a car or something because I, I had a concept of I've done this deep evil thing and now God will punish me. He will kill me or he will harm me in some way to, to, to show me that what I've done is wrong. Um, and the truth is my constant being racked in fear was more punishment than any of that. Anyway, I probably preferred to be hit by a car than live for the 10 years or whatever I lived in sheer like guilt and shame and, and fear. Um, and so, yes, it's a very purple thinking that God is holy. He is set apart. He is separate from us. He is off there. Um, you know, he is supernatural. We are natural. He is uh, divine. We are natural and, and crummy and crappy, you know, just whatever. Um, and the main concern at this stage, as far as God is, is not actually being close to God. It's, it's pleasing him. It's, it's, it's being good. So we get rewarded and not being bad. So we get punished. That's the primary, um, encounter and engagement with God. It's not about relationship. It's about keeping him at safe distance and trying to gain rewards and stave off any punishments. Okay. Right action is always, um, rewarded with health and prosperity and things like that. If you're wrong, it's it's the opposite. You'll be sick, you'll be poor, you'll be, um, you'll be hurt in some way, whatever it is. Um, sickness, poverty, um, and ultimately, of course, hell. But we've got to get to that in a second. Now, how is Jesus seen at this stage? Now, um, Jesus uh, Christ uh, is seen as a, as a person with a last name, Christ. So first of all, there's no distinction between the word Jesus and Christ. Um, uh, and as we'll see in later stages, this becomes more nuanced, more um, uh, more fleshed out and worked out. But at this early stage, Christ is just Jesus's surname. It's just who he is. Um, he comes from heaven. He, he's a supernatural being that comes from heaven to save everyone. Well, our group, because we're a tribe, right? So he saves our group from harm, typically harm from God. Um, now, Jesus dies because God is wrathful at you and wants to pour wrath upon you. And instead, he pours his wrath on Jesus. So penal substitution, that kind of concept, very purple, um, maybe red thinking, very, very, uh, even blue as well. This is a kind of spectrum there. But again, very much fits into a purple thinking. So if, you're, uh, if you've got purple thinking, purple worldview, you'll really cling to something like penal substitution. That makes sense to you. It works. It's good. Jesus' divinity is always elevated over his humanity. You will not find people at stage purple talking about how Jesus was also fully human. That is not an interesting topic to them. It's not something they want to flesh out and work out. Um, they want to talk about Jesus as God, as a miracle worker, as a divine being, as a rescuer to, uh, that, is, uh, that is divine. And of course, these things are uh, true in later stages as well, but they become more nuanced, more complex, and we, we start to delve into some other elements. So later stages will go, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Jesus is fully divine, yes, but well, he's also fully human. So what does that mean? How does that work? What does that look like? Um, and so there's more nuance and subtlety to how it actually works and functions um, as we develop. But at purple, very basic understanding of who Jesus is. And what about prayer? Um, uh, prayer at this stage is, is talking with Jesus or God. Um, it's, it's an emphasis on largely the only real reason you talk to God uh, is to confess a sin, ask for forgiveness, or to ask for something if you've been good enough, 
right? So usually you've been bad and you're, you're begging God uh, to forgive you. You're, you're confessing what you've done or you've been good and you're praying, God, God, help me find my car keys. You know, God, help my brother Bob get saved. Oh God, help whatever. And again, none of this is bad or good. Uh, please hear me right. I know that maybe some of my language is, is a bit biased, unfair. Uh, and I don't mean that intentionally. Uh, I can't really help speaking from where I am. Um, and, and it is hard not to at times look down on certain views that you've grown beyond yourself or grown out of, um, that you've transcended and included. And some of this I haven't included. Um, and it's easier to, to look down on maybe um, than, than others. And, and we shouldn't include everything from every stage. We should let go of certain unhealthy beliefs. Um, so forgive me uh, if, if I'm being um, not as unbiased as I could be. I am trying as, as much as possible just to present the facts of, of how people are each stage. And so that, that prayer is, is very confession, repentance, and asking for things. Um, generally speaking, you must ask in Jesus' name. That phrase, in Jesus' name, is powerful. You have to say in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer or it doesn't work, you know? And, and that might sound really funny, but that is very true to people at this stage. They, 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 in Jesus' name is like almost a magical incant incantation. It's almost the same as abracadabra, you know? It's in Jesus' name. Um, and, and, and you couldn't say a different phrase that meant a similar thing. It is in Jesus' name, as though that was a phrase that people said. Um, and, and, reckon, and, and not connecting with the, the, the deeper meaning of a phrase like that, that. Later on, we might look at a phrase and go, oh, in Jesus' name, well, the name of someone was their nature and who they were. And so when I pray in Jesus' name, what it means is to, my prayer should be in line with who that person was. So I should be praying like Jesus would pray. That's what praying in Jesus' name means. So much more um, thoughtful, engaging, and, and often effective way of praying. But early on, we just read the Bible, we read the text, the supernatural text that is given us that we must read literally. It said, pray in Jesus' name. We must say in Jesus' name when we pray. Simple as. Um, and so very basic understanding of prayer. Um, God bless you after your sneeze is rooted in um, tribal beliefs, you know, supernatural spirits that are in you trying to escape. God bless you, you know, that kind of thing. Um, prayer can influence God um, or maybe um, on changing things. Um, here on earth from his vantage in heaven. So that, that's, that's something we are doing in prayer is we're, we're praying to God up there and we're hoping that he sees our situation, our plight down here and he, he's convinced, he's, he's, he's um, motivated to change things, to act, to do something. Um, and so there's all sorts of elements that we go into there that are, um, there's, there's, there's great stuff in, in, in experiencing the spiritual uh, divinity of, of, of the universe impacting this world um, but there's also some bizarre notions, you know, am I more merciful than God? Am I more loving than God? That God that can see all things and is doing all things, well, he doesn't want to heal that person until I ask him to and I'm convincing him to. And so there's all sorts of different um, uh, mind melting backs, you know, backflips you have to do around all these concepts just to try and make them make sense. Um, and purple just simplifies it all and just goes, no, no, God's up there. We pray he'll do it. That's it. We know if we say this, this will happen. Um, it's it's um, ultimately in, in, in different concepts. So it might be in, in, in different religions and different faiths at different times. Ultimately, prayer is always going to be an attempt to persuade the all powerful being to protect and heal and guide us um, or whoever we're praying for. And that is very much how we pray at Sage Purple as well. We pray to this God in the sky to protect, to heal, to guide us and our loved ones. 
Um, you know, that's a very purple thinking. It's, it's our friend gets in a car and we go, God, we pray traveling mercies. And so God isn't in the car with the person and doesn't want the person to arrive safely anyway. We must pray it. We must pray that um, thing. Or we pray over foods. God, protect this person as they eat their food. This is all very rooted in um, tribal thinking, you know, because, excuse me, sorry. Um, because in very early stages of humanity, when you ate food, there was a good chance you'd die of food poisoning. There was a good chance it wasn't safe. There was a good chance it had gone bad or it was poisonous or something. Or when you would go on a trip, there's a good chance you wouldn't come back. That happens. You know, even just a few hundred years ago, when you went on a trip, you might not come back if you were sailing across the Atlantic or something like that. And so it, it, it kind of made sense to us then of like, oh, wow, this is mysterious, this is scary, this is big. We'll pray to the big God in the sky to protect the little us on earth. Um, and so this is very tribal, very purple thinking rooted in uncertainty and mystery. Now, what about sin and salvation? Sin and salvation is a um, very interesting topic. We've touched on it a bit, a bit with the um, pedal substitution, you know. Um, but sin is ultimately breaking God's commandments. So at this stage, God has a whole list of things that are right and a whole list of things that are wrong. And when you do this, you sin. Anything you do that's wrong, it's a sin. It's, and it's deeply displeasing to God. It angers him. He, uh, he is not happy. Now, an interesting thing to note at this stage at Purple, God can be pleased or displeased by what you do. If you do something, he's very pleased with it. If you don't do something, he's angry. Or if you do that, he's angry. And if you don't do it, he's pleased. Um, this is very much a purple way of thinking. We, we, we root our natural actions and, and create a spiritual uh, being that is uh, proving or disproving of those actions. Um, salvation is ultimately, though, being saved from God when he is displeased. So uh, typically you'll find God at this stage displeased with everyone and he's planning to send you all to hell because this is a, the, what happens when you sin. And Jesus comes and takes God's displeasure, takes God's anger and wrath and punishment and violence. And instead, we get to go to heaven. We are saved. So salvation is salvation from God at this stage. Um, and uh, it's only by believing in Jesus that we can receive this salvation. At this stage, that is the only way of framing this concept because God is angry, he wants to punish you, and Jesus is the only person that stood in the way. So if you wanna connect with that God who is angry, you need to get in through that person of Jesus that took the anger. Um, and okay, so hear me right when I'm saying, when I'm saying all this, you might go, oh, that's me, and it might be, but you'll also hear a lot of these themes in different stages. So there's gonna be nuance to this. You're gonna have to think about this. You're gonna have to contemplate. You're gonna have to pray about it. You're gonna have to spend time thinking and, and, and mulling over these different stages. You might even have to watch some of these stages a few times. Um, what I'm actually gonna be doing as well is I'm going to um, do each of these topics as separate videos. So I'm gonna have a video on the Bible and then go through all stages. So you can watch just on a topic, the progression right the way through. But I wanna include it at each stage so you can so you can really get into this mindset. You can really get, understand where is someone coming from. And hopefully this will really help you when you find people that are at these stages. Like I said, you're very unlikely to find someone that's 100% uh, purple. Um, but maybe some of the later stages, you might you might be orange and you, you, you're friends with someone that's blue. It might be really helpful for you to just work through the blue video and just watch it again, refresh your memory, remind yourself of how they think and operate so you can engage with them so you can love them better so that you can um, probably not antagonize them or upset them as much, okay? So this is why we're, we're gonna do it in both ways. I'm gonna give you all of the topics per color and then I'm gonna give you all the colors per topic um, in separate later videos. And if, if you've got it all through watching the stages, don't feel you have to watch all the colors uh, um, in, in, uh, in each topic. Uh, 
but you, you know what I'm, what I'm saying. So next stage, heaven and hell, really interesting, okay? Um, hell is the home to demons. It's where demons are. So the idea of Satan in there with his pitchfork, um, you know, it's, it's just their home. It's where they live um, because hell is bad and the demons are bad and Satan is bad. And so it must be the place he's made and, and it's his place. Um, and so it's a very uh, primitive understanding of, of this um, bad place. It's rooted deeply in um, uh, Zoroastrianism and, and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, this is the concept of hell. It's, it's, it's the place where demons and spirits and all that live. It's a place of fire, of pain, of suffering, um, eternal punishment. Uh, it's completely separate from God. There's no God in hell. God is not anywhere in sight. He's not um, there. And it is the ultimate thing to be feared. It is more feared than God. Okay, so this is an interesting uh, nuance that you might find in your faith is, do you fear hell more than you fear God? Uh, because fear of God is very purple, but they would ultimately fear hell even more. Fear, uh, hell is there as a punishment, as a, as, a, as a threatening stick if you're not scared of the person enough, right? So if you're not scared enough to change based on God, we'll be scared enough to change based on the fact of what God will do to you if you don't change. Um, and so this is the kind of concept of hell. Now, heaven on the flip side is this very dualistic thinking is the exact opposite. It's eternal safety. It's bliss. It's pain free. There's no suffering. There's no sickness. Um, it's filled with people that are like me and my church and my tribe. OK, so focus on my tribe. OK, so we don't see other faiths there. We don't even probably see many other denominations there. It's deeply people that are like me and my tribe that are filled in this place. Um, you are sent to one or the other, this hell or this heaven, um, based solely on what you believe about Jesus and your observance to these rules that God gave that were about disobeying and obeying. If you did the right things or didn't do the wrong things, you probably will go to heaven. If you did the wrong things or didn't do the right things, you'll probably go to hell. Um, now, Jesus is, is in the mix there as well, and belief in Jesus can take that away, okay? So it, it, that's all in the mix as well. Um, how, how, heaven, sorry, is ultimately the place where Christians go. Hell is the place where non-Christians go. It's very dualistic. And even that concept of Christians is probably much smaller. So it's not even Christians, it's my type of Christians. So you'll see a super conservative Christian won't have space for a charismatic Christian going to heaven. It's just not there. They're too, um, too steeped in heresy with all that speaking in tongues or raising their hands. Probably that might not be a deal breaker for them. Maybe I've met some that might uh, fall into that bracket. But, you know, there's, there's elements where it's like, no, you've crossed a line. You are not in the group that I would consider to be saved, to be uh, going to heaven, whatever that is. And, and most Christians do this to some degree or another. So even at later stages, you'll find there's still this exclusionary element. We just maybe are slightly more encompassing, slightly bigger in our acceptance of who's in, but we still go, oh, what, no, they're a cult, or oh, no, they're a bad religion, or they're demon worshippers, or, or something. And so the, all these topics are still, they still exist as we, as we grow, okay? So it's gonna take a while for a lot of these elements to phase out, okay? If and where they need to. Um, so, but generally speaking, a belief in Jesus will guarantee heaven over hell, okay? Um, but it is gonna be my denomination. Now this section, the mystical, okay? This is a really interesting session because this is probably the section where you'll find most fluctuation. Um, because like I said, where it starts out that early on in the purple stage, we're deeply mystical. 
And then we start to lose a lot of that as we enter some more rational and, and, and developed stages. And then actually what we'll find is the mystical is gonna to start to grow and develop again, okay? So um, there's this, this kind of bell curve uh, uh, there. And so the mystical is not just mystical. So when I say mystical, I mean spirituality. I mean engaging with God, with the divine, uh, with Jesus, uh, seeing supernatural um, experiences and encounters, having encounters with the divine, that kind of thing. But to uh, someone at stage purple, everything is mystical. So uh, magic is mystical. Anything that isn't understood, you know, so the sun going down and coming up the next day is a mystical thing. Um, and so uh, in a Christian context, that might not be quite as literal, you know, but um, it might be, uh, as we mentioned, an early kind of um, in, in the Israelite culture, you know, a stat statue over there is a demon. Um, it must be torn down because it's a false god. It's an evil god. We even see that today in a, in a lot of uh, concepts in, in churches. They might see, um, oh, those churches, they put up idols and statues of Mary. That's a, that's a demonic thing. Um, because they would uh, just totally not understand that and they, they overly spiritualize um, something that's much more deep and meaningful to another group of people um, that maybe isn't really as rooted in that. Or maybe you could argue maybe that is deeply tribal. Maybe there is an over-spiritualization of Mother Mary and they make statues and overly uh, glorify that. And so th this is a bit of a nuance as well, okay? So just because I say something is purple, someone else might look at what I say and go, well, actually, you're being a bit purple here. So um, have a bit of... Um, um, I'd be a bit Berean as well about how I'm communicating and what I'm sharing as well, because I'm sharing from my biases and my perspectives. But that's a great example of like Protestants and Catholics will often accuse each other of doing the same thing because they fail to see that ultimately they are doing the same thing. They are the same thing. Um, now they've nuanced and different in many ways, but actually a lot of the time they're doing exactly the same thing. They, they have very similar views on most of these topics. Um, a, a great example uh, maybe of mystical and, and Catholic is the concept of communion literally changing into blood and, 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 and body of Jesus as we eat it. You know, it's a very purple concept, this, um, this concept that Jesus talks about, oh, eat my body, eat my, uh, drink my bl blood. And, and they have um, uh, chosen to cross over between the symbol and the image, right? So the, the thing and then what it represents. Um, and so just like people that go, oh, there's a statue and what it represents, they confuse and, and, and conflate the two. They can't tell that the two aren't the same. So yeah, maybe that statue represents a false deity, but the statue isn't a false deity. It's a bit of wood, you know? Uh, in the same way, yes, maybe that bread represents the body of Jesus, but it's not literally bits of flesh. Um, and, and of course they would say, well, once you put it in your mouth, it is, or, you know, whatever. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's crossing over between the, the image and the concept. And, and this is a very, very, very purple thing to do. It's not understanding those two elements. Um, you see this in a child um, at, the, at this early stage where they understand, um, you know, Max is a dog, you know? So they've got a family dog called Max, but then they see another dog and they go, oh, Max, because they don't understand the difference between um, a, a, a concept and an image. So the, the, the thing that we have here is this label for that is Max, but that's not what it is. It's a dog, uh, right? So when we see something that's similar, it's a dog. My, my youngest brother does this often. We had a dog called Dylan that died. And uh, whenever he sees any dog, especially a dog that looks similar, he's like, oh, it's Dylan. Um, because he doesn't understand, he doesn't have a, a capacity to tell the difference between these two elements. So there's a, there's a, uh, a, a fusion between the two. 
Um, things like baptism are magical rites at this stage. They're not symbolically powerful acts. They're, they're magical. They, they have some divine magical power. And so there's a, a real um, uh, over-spiritualization. Now you could say there's just enough spiritualization. Maybe there is. Maybe when we get through the bell curve, we'll find there is. Um, but at this stage, it is magical. It's not just a mystical thing. It's magical. Okay, uh, again, uh, going back to our early Christian roots, practicing communion and practicing um, the, the service in Latin. This is, this is deeply mystical, right? Because even a lot of the priests that were reading Latin didn't know what they were saying. They couldn't understand Latin. They would just sound out the words. And it's, and it's this whole mystical, we don't really know what we're doing, but this is amazing, this mystery, this is divine. And there's a lot of good in this. You know, we would do well as we transcend to bring some awe and mystery with us. That's not an unhealthy thing to do. Um, you know, we often talk about being more childlike. I think that is some of the childlikeness we need to bring with us as we grow and develop, as we transcend and include. Uh, crosses have power, you know, a symbol image, the cross, right? Um, so you see a picture maybe of uh, you watched uh, vampire flicks or, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something, and, and you've got a cross and you push it against a vampire and they, they burn, you know, this cross has a power. Um, or holy water or something. But this is, again, um, concepts that uh, we, we, we cross over the two. Yes, the cross represents uh, the death and, uh, of Jesus and this powerful um, self-giving love of this incarnate God, all this different stuff. So it's powerful, yes, it's, it's deeply meaningful, but the cross itself doesn't mean something. So again, if I threw the Bible across the room, maybe if I threw the cross across the room, some people would freak out, I, I don't know. Um, there was a funny video on uh, Instagram the other day of, of a cross falling over and landing on a drummer at a worship service. So um, who knows what, who, who gets the rap for that one, not securing the cross. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not literally the cross that Jesus hung on. And even if it was the cross that Jesus hung on, it's a bit of wood, right? It's, it's still not a, a, a mystically, a magically powerful bit of wood. It's just wood. Um, and so uh, we need to be careful that we don't conf conflate these two, but this is kind of how purple sea thing, they, 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 they make everything very magical, very superstitious. Christians at this stage are very fearful of demons. They're terrified of 666, of marks of the beast. Um, they are really scared of people doing anything that is in a different framework, a different faith. So someone did Reiki, they would be very scared that the person that got Reiki would be demonically possessed and, 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 and abused or be uh, in some way, shape or form not pleasing to God anymore and they need to be cleansed or cleaned or maybe they would just be a lost cause now, they're completely done. But there's that kind of mentality behind these things. So these Christians are very scared. They're very scared of um, other religions. Um, so they're very scared of Islam. They're very scared of other denominations. Um, you know, conservative Christians will hold entire conferences about another movement. Um, and vice versa, you know, so you'll see the, uh, the conservative Christians holding entire conferences about how wrong the charismatics are. And then you'll see charismatics holding entire conferences slating how wrong the conservatives are for not being charismatic, you know, and so it goes back and forth, but it's very tribalistic uh, mentality. It's, it's about demonizing the other. We see demons in everything um, and glorifying and making sure that God is on our side, that God is in the way we see things. Um, the 
the highest goal in, in the mystical view at this stage of purple Christian is to protect yourself from demons and from uh, demonic influence uh, of other religions, of, of other practices, and make sure you're safe, you're secure, you're good, that God is going to be pleased with you. You're, you know, all of that is a real high priority for Christians at this level. Um, however, like I said, all of this can include very authentic interactions with the spiritual because at this stage, everything is spiritual, they nail it on the head when they find spiritual truths, when they find spiritual realities. So very authentic spiritual encounters can happen at Purple. The problem is lots of stuff that is not an authentic spiritual encounter becomes a spiritual encounter as well. And so this is, this is where we, we must look with nuance, we must transcend and include the good, we must grow and bring what's good with us, but we must also let go of what isn't. So this is when we find the ceiling. This is when we get to the top where we go, mm, this isn't working for me. All right, so let's look at the pros and cons at this stage, okay? So pros at this stage, the, the pros of purple that I want you to be, as you look back at your purple self, you've probably grown through some of this stage on some level. Um, maybe you didn't exist in Christianity at this level. Maybe it was just when you were early a child, who knows? But at some point you've gone through this level to some degree. Um, there are pros that I want you to look at and go, I want to make sure that I'm including those. I'm, as I transcend, as I grow, I'm bringing these truths with me. I'm bringing that good stuff with me. Because if not, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck at a, an earlier stage and I'm demonizing my old self rather than trying to include the good of it and, and, and move forward, okay? So they're open to spiritual encounters with God, like I said, that's a huge positive, right? It's really positive to be open to the divine, to be open to God, to be open to Christ. That's an amazing positive element in our lives. And um, they have strong family bonds. People at tribal are very family orientated. That's a beautiful and good thing. I don't think anyone wants to have a deeply contentious family that all hate each other, right? So let's make sure we bring that with us, our value for family and our, and our love for family. Now, of course, if you've got an abusive family or a family that's treated you awfully, then you need to figure that out in your own way and, and make sure you have healthy boundaries. You need to make your own family, you know, make sure that your family that you make has strong, healthy bonds. Um, but I'm not saying go back to an abusive situation when I say that that needs to be included, okay? Um, but generally speaking, that's a value that we can instill going forward, okay? Um, they are loyal. They are stable. Again, I'm not saying that if you've gone from an abusive church and you need to get out of that, get out of an abusive church, get out of an abusive relationship. I'm not saying by including loyalty to go back to that and be loyal to something. Not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that is a value and a quality that you can bring going forward as you look into the future of your life, that you can bring loyalty and stability to the people that are around you that are uh, there for you. And, and maybe you might heal some of those past relationships. Maybe you might be able to reintroduce some of those qualities, but I'm not telling you to, uh, um, to do anything in that sense of being unhealthy, of taking down boundaries and, and allowing yourself to be hurt or abused in any way, okay? Please hear me right on that. Um, it values leadership at this. Now, a lot of you are in a place where you don't value leadership and that's okay, that's your stage and we'll probably get to that. You might find where you are. Um, but at this stage, there's a real value for leadership and that is a good and healthy thing. Like I said earlier, there's scenarios in which valuing leadership is really important. If you're in work, uh, if you're in a family or whatever, there's times where actually, no, I really value your input. You have the most knowledge on this, you're the most experienced in this, or you have some insight or wisdom that I need to value that. I I need to submit to that and go, please input that into my life or please guide me or please lead me or hey, please, could you show me the way or whatever that looks like. Um, it's really healthy and normal 
Um, and so there's abuses of it and we need to transcend those and maybe not include them, but we do want to transcend and include the good that comes from them, okay? Um, it understands what it is to belong at this level. It's a real understanding of belonging. And I tell you, that is something we all want, especially as we grow, you'll find that there's actually less and less belonging for some people at different stages. And so we really want to tap into some of the truths that we've transcended here and make sure we're including them, that we can understand though there's a real value to belonging here. There's real beauty to it. Um, and so we, we don't want to let go of that. Uh, we don't want to lose that if, uh, to any more than we need to in an order to grow. Okay, and so uh, we must, uh, on some level, at every stage of the spiral, we must learn to function as a, a, to some degree, as a tribe, as a group. You know, Jesus created a group around him, a tribe. He, he created his twelve, right, and he had the seventy-two and the five hundred, or you know, but he 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 had people around him, and he created tribes. And yet, he wasn't actually operating at purple, uh, not necessarily all the time. Um, and so, it, it's really important to see um, how valuable. Uh, being a part of a tribe can be. Okay, now let's look at some cons, right? Some negatives, because there are plenty and I want you to make sure that you're not bringing these with you. And maybe if you're finding part of you resonating with some of what I've said in the purple stage, make sure you're listening to these cons. Make sure you're, you're seeing this because it's gonna require you to hit the ceiling to really work them out in and off yourself before you're gonna be able to transcend them, okay? So some of the cons are that there's heavy indoctrination at this level, okay? People can be very easily manipulated and, and, and there's a lot of uh, physical abuse, child abuse, uh, there can be murder and violence. Uh, there's a militia mentality at this level. Uh, we've seen mass suicides in, in organizations that, that are like this. And so, of course, I'm probably very unlikely talking to people that are looking at these kind of situations. But we do see a lot of uh, sex scandals and things like that. People being uh, abused in their churches, even today, um, even in quite forward-thinking churches at times. And this is um, often because people are very tribal, they're very loyal and, and fiercely um, committed to their leader that has been chosen by God, that is godly power, that they won't speak out against abuse or they will allow themselves to be abused. And so there's a lot of really messed up stuff in that, okay? So um, we don't wanna we don't want to include that when we transcend, right? Obviously, right? I, th I hope you're with me on that. Um, if you're not, you really need to work this situation out, okay? Um, they can be very self-centered, okay? So even though we've gone from the ego-centered beige to a bit more of a we-centered, a bit more group-centered, this is still an extremely egoic uh, group. It's still very self-centered. In fact, the only reason we're part of this group is for our survival, okay? So I hope this is actually quite obvious. What, what's um, really interesting about the spiral that we'll see is that actually it's a journey of letting go of ego. Um, but actually, sometimes it looks like we're becoming more egoic um, and actually often it's becoming less. It's quite a nuanced concept, the concept of ego and self. But this is a very self-centered group. It's people that are there because I can exist, I can be safe, I can, um, I can be okay with God because I'm a part of this group, because I'm a part of this dynamic. Um, and actually this group is very selfish because no other group is safe, no other group is pleasing to God. My group is, not yours. Um, we're right, you're wrong. Um, and so it's very selfish, very self-centered. Um, again, its uh, beliefs are largely gathered around survival, right? So it's the most basic level at which you can hold beliefs and which you can de develop faith and understanding. 
Um, and so we want to we want to start moving beyond that. Once we once we figured out our survival metrics and, and ability to survive, a bit like Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, which is another model of um, psychological development. Once we've got the survival uh, elements down, we want to evolve. We want our beliefs to look a bit more complex and nuanced, and 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 be a bit more authentic and real. Um, as I said earlier, it's very prone to mistaking superstition for spirituality. Okay, so spirituality is what we would label the good elements of the mystical, and superstition is 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 the stuff that is just not mystical. We've just mystified something we don't understand. Um, so this is a real problem at tribal level, and it's something that needs to be um, transcended. Um, it, uh, sorry, just let me quickly check my notes. It gets more extreme as feelings of vulnerability and powerlessness increases. So this is a group that generally speaking is fine until you get too close, right? So the tribes in uh, Papua New Guinea that are warring, I think it's about 3,000 tribes that uh, I watched a documentary a few years ago that was telling me that, and, and they all kind of coexist to some degree, but as soon as they get too close, boom, war, right? They, they can't exist close. Um, and so there's an element of as soon as we're vulnerable, as soon as we feel powerless, we are going to get extreme, which looks like violence, which looks like th all sorts of threats of aggression or whatever it looks like. Um, and so it, it has some real problems. It might actually look really good. You know, so there's a, there's a real romanticism as we look back in history on tribal existence. So we look at the tribes in the, in the rainforest and we go, oh, what, wouldn't it have been wonderful when that was what it was like in history? But actually, when we look at history, it was not the most... Um, most wonderful times and even when we look at tribal cultures today you wouldn't want to live in one you maybe would on like the odd day where everything was peaceful and it was kind and it was nice and everything was easy but in the grand scheme of things trust me it was far from uh from ideal and so what we tend to do is we tend to when we look back in the stages we superimpose the way we think today the stage that we're at and we superimpose it into that culture so we superimpose our developed thinking into that primitive um, culture and presume it would have been lovely. It would have been wonderful. It would have been like going to get a, a, a hut in the woods, you know, a little log cabin and just chilling out and cooking food that we hunt and, you know, just reading a book by the fire. But it isn't like that. It's scary. It's, it's, it's worried all the time because it doesn't understand things. It's scared of demons. It's, it's constantly trying to please God. It, it's terrified of other tribes and it will kill them. It's, it's willing to kill its own child to please the God, right? You know, this isn't actually something you want to do, I hope, right? Um, and so we need to be careful that we don't over romanticize earlier stages as well because while there's good in it um, there's also a lot of negative in it so we need to be very aware of that and um, it creates a small worldview as well it's very egocentric it's all about me 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 and so we need to be very careful that we we don't uh, stay in that place where we're constantly fixated on ourselves so what are the transformational dilemmas now transformational dilemma and we're going to finish here is what is required for a person to move on, to evolve, to go to the next level. So the next level is gonna be red and we're gonna look at that in the next video, but to, to move into that, we're gonna to need to start to understand that fear is not the place we wanna live from, we need to learn to live from love. So there needs to be an injection of love, of understanding that God is love, that we can operate in a place of love and love one another, and that helps move us on in a sense. Um, Jesus himself rejects tribal views of God, okay? So he rejects the concept that God is only from my group and not for yours. Um, although there's plenty of stuff in there that people that are at tribal level will pick out and want to use. Um, we need to start to embrace 
um, our own spiritual power so that we ourselves are powerful, that we have uh, God within us, that he operates within us. That's a very helpful belief that helps pull people out of tribal. So if they're religiously seeing the Bible, every word is the word of God and we must believe it, find some texts in there that talk about God in you, the power of God in you. That can be very helpful for pulling tribal people forward. Um, loosen our hold on the belief that everything has a spirit behind it, okay? So this might look like a bit of more rational thinking, a bit more um, exposure to science, which is gonna be very hard at this level, but um, will kind of cause you to start to see that things have reasons, there's causation for things. If something happens, it might not have been because of an evil spirit or a good spirit, it might just happen because it was spinning around the earth or around the sun or whatever. Um, we need to try and loosen our holds on our identification with the tribe. And that is very scary because our safety is linked to our identification of the tribe. And so it's terrifying to think of letting go of that, um, but it needs to happen if we're gonna grow because the next stage um, it involves us becoming more egoic again, right? So it's ego, us, ego, we, ego, we, ego, we. So it's the bounce backwards and forwards. So the next stage is gonna be more egocentric. So you need to stop sacrificing your individuality. So you can't just always sacrifice yourself for the greater good. There needs to be a, a possession of myself. I want what's right for me, actually. I could be a good person. I could be quite strong and powerful. I could make something of myself. That's gonna start pushing you into red. And so that's really helpful as a transformational dilemma to start hitting that ceiling and realize, no, what about me though? It's great that the group works when I do the worst job every day, all day, but what about me? Don't I deserve some good? Um, so realizing you can be in charge and have your own way is really helpful. Okay, so I said I'd finish there, but actually let me finish on this uh, as well. I wanna give you a few keys on what it's like to work with purple because most of us are not purple. Okay, so it's really important that we learn to interact with people that are at purple level so we can love them well, so we can help them, so we can help grow. And what I'm gonna encourage you to be, I don't know if you remember in the intro, I talked about yellow and how yellow sees all the spirals, see all the stages and understands that you can't just make a purple person yellow. You can't just make a purple person blue. You can only help a purple person grow to be red and in time they will grow to blue and orange and so on. You have to grow um, gradually through the stages. And so we need to be a bit yellow in how we deal with other stages because the temptation is if you're orange, for example, you're gonna want this person to be orange, right? So you're gonna go into the tribal Amazon rainforest and come across a tribal person and go, I want you to understand uh, the importance of capitalism and democracy and the individual uh, rights for uh, hum human rights and, and, and the, the freedom of the press and all this. And they're gonna look at you going, what are you talking about? Or if you're green and you're thinking, we need to be more global and we need to think about an environment, that you're gonna go into the tribal rainforest and go, you need to understand that we need to save the whales and you need to use less, uh, uh, you need to make less waste and, and be burning things less or whatever it is, you know, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work at all. So you need to be thinking of those transformational dilemmas and be thinking, how can I encourage people at that level just by pushing them a little bit, by showing them that they're powerful, by showing them Bible verses that it promotes a bit of their individual um, freedom, that their individual relationship with God, that they um, can have a bit of power and a bit of autonomy, um, that it's not always about the group, sometimes it's about me. And actually the group can only be as healthy as I am healthy. So these are really helpful things to start introducing to people that are at this purple level, okay? 
um, as you do avoid trigger topics okay so there's every person has a trigger right I know people love to um, you know label people that maybe like liberal oh, liberals are they've always triggers and you know there's snowflakes or whatever but actually the people saying that are triggered right because they get triggered by someone bringing up something else right so we all get triggered by different things it just it's the things that irritate us the things that that scare us that worry us that annoy us um, and so people of other faith groups uh, people of other groups um, other religions don't don't bring these things up because these are things that are just going to trigger them if you can incorporate talk about how their tribe is important how they are um, are important and find areas that you agree with them and agree wholeheartedly really passionately agree share testimonies of something supernatural if you have a story about a supernatural encounter or something share that with them these are things that will bond and connect you with someone at this level okay so it's really good idea to be doing stuff like that as you're trying to encourage them to grow okay um, but ultimately the biggest thing that will help anyone grow at this level is starting to understand their individuality that they have some autonomy okay we're going to finish there well done for hanging in i'll see you in the next video where we're going to talk all about stage red all right so that was stage purple i hope you enjoyed it um I'm gonna leave you there. Uh, if you cannot wait till next week to dive into stage red and the later stages, the whole um, series, all of the stages are already available on thegracecourse.com, which you can watch for free. Um, and so if you can't wait, you're welcome to head over there and really dive in. Uh, it's about 17 hours in total of content so far, and it will continue to grow a little bit more as well. Um, and so, yeah, lots and lots of stuff. In fact, this um, video, even though it has been fairly long, about an hour and 20 minutes, um, is actually gonna be the shortest of the series. Um, and so you're gonna find that as the series develops, we're gonna get slightly longer and longer with each uh, stage because there's so much more um, stuff that we need to dive into to look at how this stuff affects us, it affects our relationships, and it affects our faith. Um, and so I'll leave you there. I'll hopefully uh, catch you next week for the next video in the stage uh, in the series, uh, Stage Red. And again, if you can't wait, head over to thegracecourse.com. If you want to support what I'm doing and help me keep all this content coming out for free, um, you can support me over there as well at thegracecourse.com by becoming a partner. Just a simple gift of $5 or more a month uh, can just make a huge uh, impact on um, my life, my, my life, my family's uh, that helps me keep a roof over my head while I'm producing this content and helping people on Instagram, Facebook, emails, all the different stuff I do. Um, that's always deeply appreciated. Anyway, I hope you have a great week. Hope you're doing well and I'll see you next time.